I'm Kate Daniels. It's been a cold, tough winter, so I think we're really looking forward to warmer days and time to enjoy our wonderful state and possibly other parts of the country. And to help us plan for this, to find just the right hike with all the necessary details, we have Joe Yogers joining us. Joe has a great history with Nat Geo and brings us the latest book, 100 Trails, 5,000 Ideas, Where to Go, When to Go, What to See, What to Do. It can very correctly be called a gift from Joe to us, from us to ourselves, our families, for anyone really. So let's find out more details from Joe himself. Joe Yogurst, good morning. I am so excited that we have this time to have a great conversation together about something that I think is likely very near and dear to your heart. Oh, it is, definitely. (laughs) Because besides being a writer and a photographer, no doubt you're uh, an avid hiker, right? Yes, I have been my whole life. Well, I I can't say my whole life. Um, As a child and the Boy Scouts, I I hated the hiking. But by the time I was a college student, I had uh, walked my way into it and really loved it. And it's ever since then, I've been an avid hiker. So So what happened uh, at that age? Was there a particular hike or what was the inspiration? This might help our listeners. I had pretty severe asthma as a child, Mm. and um, I just found it very hard to walk long distances, especially up mountains and things like that, which the Boy Scouts made you do. And I outgrew that asthma in high school and got a lot healthier, and I just started walking. And um, I ended up spending two summers of college vacation working in Las Vegas at the airport, and I would take my days off, and I would drive to the national parks in southern Utah, northern Arizona, and just hike. So, you know, I did Bryce Canyon and Zion and the Grand Canyon and even Death Valley in the middle of summer, things like that. Um, so I really kind of got into it those two summers and um, just kept it up after that um, all around the world, the various places I've traveled and that I've lived. That is so beautiful. It's such an organic way to really enter into this. And from something that you just learned to love that way has developed uh, this whole career of these wonderful books about hiking and nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all stems from, from that period of my life. So I'm lucky that I was you know, able to make a career out of it, about writing about nature and places and hikes and camping and things like that. Um, I feel really fortunate that I was able to make a career out of it, Um, especially with an organization like National Geographic that I grew up with, you know, sitting on the living room floor, looking at the magazine and having the map spread out and wondering what all those places were like. And then to become the adult and travel to those places and be part of then presenting it to the rest of us. Yes. Um, I have to say, though, it did take 16 years of trying before I got my first gig with National Geographic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so just a reality check, right? (laughs) Yes, just a reality check. Um, From I first um, wrote to them very naively right after college and sent them some photos, some, you know, Kodachrome slides back in those days. And I thought they were wonderful slides. And if I look back at them now, I'm embarrassed that I actually sent them to them. Um, But I had an editor who was 
kind enough to write back to me, and we kept up a very casual correspondence for 16 years until I got a call one day um, from another editor that he had recommended me to, um, asking me to go to an obscure place in India that they needed a a book chapter on, and I happened to be the only person on the planet, or at least in the U.S., that they could find that actually had been to this obscure place in India. So that's how I got my my first assignment with them. So that's fascinating was that some a place where you had shared some of your photos with or had shared this with the editor that you were traveling there no not at all um it um what happened was i i lived overseas for 13 years between south africa england hong kong and singapore and um, when i was in singapore i got an assignment from islands magazine to go to the andaman islands which are part of India, but they're actually closer to Thailand and Indonesia. Um, so I went and I did a, a, a photo story on the Andaman Islands. And a couple of years after that, um, when I was living back in the United States, um, National Geographic was doing a book on um, called Places Lost in Time. And they wanted one of the chapters to be on the Andaman Islands. And they saw they combined what I had written in Islands Magazine with the recommendation from the editor that I had known for 16 years at that point and offered me this job to go back to India with a photographer and spend two weeks there um, basically living on a fishing boat, um, exploring the Andaman Islands. And being paid for what you were doing this time. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, what an adventure. So... Was then that the beginning of a career, or did it still take a few steps to become full-fledged? No, I pretty much kicked in after that. The, the year after that, um, they offered me um, an entire book on uh, driving the Pan American Highway from Texas to Argentina. Um, so that was a year-long project, and that was those were the the first two of, I don't know, somewhere between 40 and 50 book projects that I've now worked on with them. Um, most of those were team projects where I was one of four, five, six writers working on a book. Um, and I still do that occasionally. Um, and then in 2016, 2017, they offered me another entire book again um, called 50 States, 5,000 you know, Ideas. And that was the first book in this series that we're now up to with uh, with trails. And, you know, there were parks and road trips and campgrounds and cities before that. So I think this is the sixth book in the series, one per year since 2017. Yeah, that makes sense. That, yeah, it's 2023 that, now. That adds up to, to six books. So, yes, yeah. that's that's what we want to focus on with more of that spotlight, is this new book, 100 Trails, 5,000 Ideas, Where to Go, When to Go, What to See, What to Do. And you've already given us a great kind of uh, uh, substantiation of your experiences and how you you really have good insights to guide us on this. I I hope so. I like (laughs) to think I do. (laughs) Because... Can we just rest assured that all of these are places, these 100 trails? Have you actually hiked all of them? I have not hiked all of them completely. I have hiked parts of of all of them. Um, for instance, the Trans-Canada Trail it normally takes people 
six years to do. (laughs) So I have hiked bits and pieces of the Trans-Canada Trail in four different provinces, but I have not hiked the entire six years worth of it. Um, And some of the longer trails, that's true. I just, you know, they asked me to do this book and it would have taken me 10 years to do, to hike every mile of every trail. Mm. So I tried, you know, some of them I'd already hiked. Like I'd already done the Grand Canyon backpack thing down to the bottom, Phantom Ranch and back out again. So I didn't have to do the, redo the Grand Canyon. And um, I'd hiked parts of the Pacific Crest and the Appalachian Trail already and things like that. And um, so I, I really tried to hit the trails that I hadn't walked before, at least part of them. Um, so you get a little bit of a flavor and, um, and and basically mix those with the ones I had already done over a lifetime. So there's little, there's little in between the chapters, there's little double page spreads on international trails. So I have not hiked all of those. There's no way. But mm-hmm. I tried to include ones that I had hiked in the past, like Mount Kilimanjaro and Tanzania. So I can't say I've hiked every mile of every one, but I, I've sampled all of them. Well, and that's the beauty of it, actually, because it leads us into that part of the book where you can just do parts of the trails. And, and you know, we can still say, well, I was there. Maybe, I, yeah, I didn't hike the whole thing. But to experience part of it has to have some exhilaration to it. Yeah, that's what that's one of the things we really wanted. To, that's why they have we have these sidebars on on kind of parts of these kind of epic legendary trails that you can walk in a day or even half a day. You know, there's not a lot of people who are that can take three months and, and walk 3000 miles. And um, so we, we figured, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll feature these big epic trails, but we'll also have shorter trails. And then we'll also talk about shorter distances on these epic trails, like the continental divide and the Pacific crest and the Appalachian and even the trans Canada that you can walk in a day or less, just so you get a flavor of it. So that was very important to us that that this book be opened, you know, uh, available and and relevant to everyone who likes hiking, not just the the, the long distance marathon hikers. And perhaps there needs to be kind of a disclaimer, like, uh, careful what you enter into here because it could become addictive, and you'll want to really get into it. Well, I think that's what happens. You know, you walk a little bit of a trail. And maybe you only have a day to do that, but you, your curiosity has peaked and you want to keep going. And it, I think that's how a lot of people fall into this, um, into this lifelong obsession with hiking the, the epic trails, um, is that they sample a little bit of it. Um, or in some cases, they see it, say a movie or a documentary or read a book or something, and they decide that they're going to do it. Um, and a lot of times, the first try doesn't work because it's tougher than they thought. So they go back and they train harder and they prepare more and they go and do it again. Um, and um, there are a lot of people that, that have made, um, you know, spent years, if not decades, hiking a lot of these these epic trails. Um, but, you know, for me, it's this, this book is probably more relevant to people who want to hike a little bit of a hundred really, really cool trails. And so... It is this wonderful book that, of course, is a great gift idea. The timing is really great because we're early in the year, and I can just imagine this being a family gift or getting ready for a, a, a spring birthday, even graduation, and, and yeah. making these plans for what will we do this summer and fall. 
Yeah, I already have um, friends that are ordering it for uh, spring birthdays and graduations uh, for their for their kids who are avid hikers already. So yeah, it's a it's a great gift idea, and it's um, these books are often up among the top one, two, or three on the Amazon books list of them of gift ideas. I, I noticed that they've for the past six years they've been some of the top gift ideas. And perhaps that attests then to uh, this interest, and and especially during COVID times, people really were getting out into nature more and taking to hiking. So maybe that just really uh, kind of got people excited about it. Do you think? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, in fact, this book would not be coming out now if it wasn't for COVID. <laughs> That's a that's a strange thing to say, but um, when COVID struck in, in March of 2020, I was working on the 100 Cities book that came out last year. And they basically, my, my editor at National Geographic said, stop working on that. No one's traveling internationally because of COVID. So I basically sat around for a month not with, without any, anything to do, and she got back to me and said, you know, we think people are going to start traveling domestically. How about a book on trails? <laughs> I said, sure, let's go for it. So, so I had um, the summer of 20, I actually started in the summer of 2020. I had to start traveling again. So I started doing trips then um, to sample some of the trails and places I could drive to because I wasn't really ready to get on a plane at that point. So, so I could drive to trails in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Utah, Nevada, whatever, and uh and then 2021, I started flying to places to do to do trails, catching up on my Canadian trails because you could go back to Canada last year. Um, so that's kind of how it panned out. Um, it may have come along anyways as one of the books in the series, but it really got pushed up because of COVID and the fact that people were National Geographic guessed correctly that people would be going back to domestic travel sooner than international travel. They really guessed right on that one. Mm-hmm. And and it's I, I like the idea that we can really tip our hat to COVID for something good. Well, I, no, yeah, exactly. I mean, I it, it's changed a lot of things in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've worked at home for thirty years, so my so my work life did not change at all. My daily routine did not change. The commute from my kitchen to my office didn't change. <laughs> um, but I thought now the rest of the world has to has to do what I've been doing for three decades. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, some of us really embraced that and thought that that was really great. And some of us uh, who've had to go back into workplaces are still struggling. Like, but we want to do at least some of that at home work. So, yes. yeah, there's there are there's a lot of benefit to that. And well, here's the thing: uh, if we were fortunate enough to to have work that allowed us to work from home. We, we saved time, and we were able to use that to, like, theoretically get out and do some of these hikes. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, yeah, I think the great outdoors was an escape for a lot of people who had cabin fever from the lockdown. Um, and uh, I first, I think the first time we ranged out and went on a camping and hiking trip was, I think it was June of 2020, um, and we went to a campground in the mountains of Southern California, and it's quite a famous campground, uh, Mount Palomar State Park. And uh, there were only two other families camped there at the time. It was empty. And when we took our big, long hike, 
um, we came across one other couple the entire time. So it was like the world was empty. <laughs> and um, and then by August, when I got around to going to five different national parks in Utah, they were crowded. So between June and August, people got out on the trails again and on the roads again. It was amazing how it picked up in just a, a couple of months. Um, and um, But I also discovered that even when national parks are full, there are still trails out there somewhere where you're, you can be the only person um, or your family can be the only group on a given trail if you're willing to get far enough out in the wilderness. And can we look at 100 trails and be guided to some of those that are perhaps less trekked than others. So, if we want to have, you know, a little bit more space around us. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some. I mean, the, there's popular trails in here too, but there are ones that are the trails less walked, I guess you could say. And you know, there's some in in your area. I mean, you're in Seattle, right? Right. Yes. And. You know, one of the ones that I have, and I know it's a well-known trail, but it's not necessarily really crowded, is the Wonderland Trail, which is in Mount Rainier National Park, and it does a circumnavigation around the entire mountain, but down at the forest level. And that's a, you know, 10 to 14-day trail, so it's not a casual thing, So, but you're not going to find a lot of people on it because of that. And there's a long-distance trail called the Pacific Northwest, which is about 1,200 miles which goes from Montana through the top of the Idaho Panhandle and all the way across the top of Washington State to Puget Sound. And there are definitely sections of that, especially around Mount Baker, where you can definitely get far away from people and still be only like an hour from Seattle. Right. So these are the kinds of directions and insights that we can get through a guide like this, the 100 Trails and 5,000 ideas. You're giving us these just different thoughts about what we can do and what we might find. Oh, sure. But I also have much better known trails that are much easier to take. Like I have three different trails in the San Juan Islands that I did when I was out there the year before last. And then I have this long Seattle waterfront route, which is really a cool trail, which thousands of people walk every day. And so those are easy. You know, you can walk for half an hour on those trail along the waterfront or in the islands or you can spend half a day walking along the, the Seattle waterfront or out in the San Juan so and Joe that um, that walk along the waterfront is the one that goes through a park the art park kind of yes. at the north side of Elliot exactly, Bay yes. right okay yes where the where the piers end and the restaurants the waterfront restaurants end and it becomes parkland going north towards the old newspaper building and yes. up that way the newspaper building that has the giant globe on top of it. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and there's great trails along the uh, Lake Washington Canal, that whole area, from the University of Washington going west towards Puget Sound. There's a lot of great trails up there, too, that are waterfront trails or wind through some of the older neighborhoods um, and the university campuses. So Seattle has great waterfront trails, and you can connect them all up and do one long day, or you can do them in bits and pieces. Right. And that's the beauty of it, depending on how much time we have available. If we can take off two weeks and get going, well, that's going to dictate uh, where we might land. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So in terms of really being well prepared so that we're going to have a good experience rather than uh, blistered feet, do you have recommendations, (laughs) guidance for us? 
Well, yeah, a good pair of shoes that's worn in already. That's what I've learned is the most important thing. And kind of know your your limits and take things gradually. If you're a new if you're a new hiker, don't go out and kill yourself on the first day. And I don't mean literally kill yourself, but you know, don't like you said, don't get blisters and don't wear yourself out on the first day. I'm a big believer in maps and even maps on map apps like All Trails is a, is an app that I swear by, and I mentioned them in the introduction to this book, and they've saved my tail a number of times when I was on the verge of being lost somewhere. And my two kids, my two daughters who are avid hikers, I know that they have All Trails, the All Trails app, which shows you a real-time map and where you are on that map, has really been a lifesaver for them on some, some like hikes that went too long and they got stuck out after dark and weren't sure where they were. So this All Trails app has really been useful for our family, and it was very useful in also putting together this book. But before that, I was a real map-in-the-hand, paper map guy, and um, my whole life, you know, topographic maps and things to, to do trails with a compass and the whole thing, which is, funny enough, the skill I learned back in my Boy Scout days when I hated hiking, but they did teach us how to use a map and a compass. And... How invaluable has that been in your life and can be for us as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, know, where, know where you're going. Uh, have some kind of map to where you're going unless you've already done the trail. Um, you know, like I said, a good pair of shoes. Uh, and dressing in layers is one thing I always do. Um, my wife thinks I'm a little crazy, but um, I don't like to be cold, so I will overdress in the beginning, and then I'll strip the layers off as I as I warm up. But um, you know, always dress for the weather, um, and uh, very important in your part of the world. But um, also in mine, because um, you know, if you are on a desert hike, you want to make sure you have enough water. Um, or if you're on a long distance overnight desert hike, like in Joshua Tree National Park, you want to actually stash water at places along the route before you start the hike, um, you know, bury the water or hide it or, so that you have fresh water as you go along every day. So um, how do you do that exactly? Well, the national parks will recommend it on, on some of these places that, that you know, the, the, the trails, even though they're dirt, will cross roads that you can drive along. And there are recommended cash points where you can stash water in gallon jugs. Um, you don't. You want to write your name on it, but with, with a sharpie or something. And there's always the paranoia that some other hiker is going to come along and take it. So you know, if you can bury it or you can hide it somewhere a little bit away from the designated cache point. And and most hikers are good about not taking other people's water. But you know, every once in a while, you get the the new the newbies who are who are not used to the trail etiquette, and they may take your water. So you maybe want to bury it or hide it behind a bush or a cactus or a tree or something, but and space it out so that you have a new gallon of water every day, mm. um, every time you cross a, a road that you can drive to. Um, so that's how you do that. And have you had a bad experience that where perhaps someone had taken your water? No. Oh, good. <laughs> I but yes. So just but, be you know, wise and be be prepared. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. You know, even here, I think we have to consider uh, that we have enough water uh, because you never know just where you might find yourself and what is available. So 
Well, yeah, and also take snacks. Um, just to casually, you know, I, energy bars or whatever you like. I mean, in the old days, I took Snickers bars and Hershey's bars, but, you know, <laughs> that was before there were, you know, granola bars and energy bars. So. <laughs> With um, less sugar. Yeah, and yeah. and if you really think you're going to be out after dark or before it, if you think there's a possibility, some kind of light device, either a flashlight or a headlamp or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, like I said, and dress for the weather. Um, you know, even in the summer at altitude, you can get snow flurries and you can get below freezing nights. And so it's kind of be prepared if something happens and you, you know, you're going to be, you don't have to take the whole kitchen with you, but be prepared for, for being out longer than you expect and be prepared for changing weather. Exactly. One crazy thing I did, and it wasn't because of a hike, but it, it, when I was uh, in Hawaii up at Haleakala, I went to see the sun sunrise, which is a, yeah. such a thing, but it was Hawaii. It was January, but it was Hawaii. And why wouldn't I want to go up in my shorts? So uh, there well, I was yes. sitting in the car with the heater running for quite a while. So yes, it's be prepared, be aware of where you are and what, what the conditions well, are. That's- that's why you see so many people at Haleakala with their beach towels and even their hotel room sheets wrapped around them <laughs> as they watch the sunrise. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, Joe, a favorite hike. What has been something that really stays with you and maybe you want to do again? Well, a favorite hike, wow. Um there are hikes that I'd like to do the entirety of that I've just sampled. Um, and, I, and I think at some point in my life I'll get around to doing it, even if it's in bits and pieces. Um, there is in, it's under construction, it's in development, but there's going to be an entire hiking, biking trail around San Francisco Bay. Mm. Um, so you'll be able to walk along the waterfront from San Francisco all the way down to San Jose and then up the other side to Oakland and and then up around to the bottom end of the Napa Valley, down through Marin County and across the Golden Gate Bridge. And I think that would be a really cool hike to do the whole thing at some point. Staying in, it would be hard to camp along the way, but staying in hotels along the way and things and picking up the next morning and doing the next bit. I think I'd really like to do that because, you know, I've lived in the Bay Area and I grew up in California. It just seems like a cool thing to do is to is the around the circumnavigate San Francisco Bay on foot is one I'd really like to do. And I know what the hardest two hikes I've ever done were. One was at the age of 19 doing that Grand Canyon hike in the summer in July with very basic equipment. <laughs> and it was like 110 degrees at the bottom. Oh. And I think that was just insane. If I was to do it the Grand Canyon again all the way down and, and back, I would do it in the spring or fall. Certainly not in July. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, was the hardest just because I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't have enough water. I wasn't really conscious that there would be such a temperature difference from the rim down to the bottom. I mean, there's like 7,000 foot difference, right? And you go from 8,000 feet in the pine forest down to really 1,000 feet, and it's, it's the Sonoran Desert. So I just didn't really take that into consideration, but I would now. Um, I did a lot of cool hikes in Africa during the year that I lived there, including Kilimanjaro, and I'd love to do some of those again. 
One of my favorite hikes there was, again, 26 years old at this point. Very stupidly decided to backpack for six days in the South African bush by myself (laughs) and survived to tell about it. But it was a really cool experience. And I realized in retrospect that if something had happened to me, like a leopard or a flash flood or an elephant stampede, nobody would have known what happened to me. And they would have never found the body. (laughs) Yeah, in Africa. I I wouldn't do that now, and I wouldn't recommend hiking for a week on your own in the African bush, but it was a very cool experience at the time. Well, that is why it is wise for us to look to National Geographic's 100 Trails, 5,000 Ideas that you have provided for us, Joe Yogurst, and that we get a chance to really prepare ourselves rather than uh, go out with all (laughs) out there naively. (laughs) Be prepared. My my naive experiences in the past uh, feed into my experience in this book and my recommendations. And see, this is well worth following. Well, we could just go on with more and more stories because these are so entertaining, but the book is one to get and create our own stories and adventures. Yes, definitely. Well, I am so grateful that you do this work that you obviously are so passionate about and that you've taken time to share some of it, some of the insights with us this morning. Joe, it's just really been fun, and I look forward to the next ones to come along. Thanks. I hope it's my pleasure. I hope everyone enjoys it and gets some great ideas for, for hiking out of this. It's up to us, right? Yes. Well, again, many thanks for what you do and for your time today. Sure. Thank you. Take care.